0: Hey everyone, welcome to the 55th episode of Baseline Intelligence, the podcast designed to make you a better tennis player and a smarter athlete. I'm your host, Jonathan Stokey. Today's guest is Jessica Pagula. Jess had another incredible year, reaching the finals of the WTA Tour Finals in Cancun, and ended the year ranked top five in both singles and doubles on the WTA Tour. On today's episode, we discuss finding your rally ball, how to play in the wind, and going down the line with your backhand. So sit back, relax, and prepare to become a smarter tennis player. All right, Jess, welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you. Nice to be back. It's that time of year.
0: It's that time of year. The first three-time guest. You're gonna be the first everything (laughs) as long as I have my way. Um, But you killed it again this year. You just got to the finals of the WTA finals in Cancun. And I was watching on TV. We saw the wind. There were a few issues with the court. Uh, So some of the conditions were less than ideal. Mm -hmm. What was your mindset or what is your mindset when you play a match and you get out there and you realize like the conditions are not favorable for your best tennis?
1: Yeah. So that's something I definitely have had to get better at. I don't think I was very good at that at the beginning. But I think you just realize, I, I think you just try not to get frustrated. You just try to take it one point at a time. Also try to play smart with the wind, like try to strategize a little bit. I feel like that takes your mind off of how crappy the conditions are and actually makes you have to like hyper-focus on something else. So whether it's, you know, you're with the wind one way, you're against the wind one way, you're maybe serving into the wind that's a little different, or, you know, maybe the slice serve is really working with the wind on the one side, whatever it is. I think picking up a couple things that you can focus on really helps playing in, um, tough conditions and again kind of takes your mind away from how frustrating it can be to actually like focusing on what you need to do in the match
0: so what would be something you would do if you're downwind for example how would you play just normal serve ground stroke whatever if you were downwind
1: i think usually i go well i feel like i do it both ways but like like a slice body kind of serve i think is great because it really comes into you really quick and i think it also depends on if you like your toss when it kind of blows it out more, or do you like it when it blows back? I feel like sometimes they go either way. Sometimes for whatever reason, if my toss is really flying that time and I'm really going after it and my toss is so far out in front with the wind and I'm kind of keep collapsing, I think that can, that can happen a lot. Sometimes I actually like playing into the wind because it makes me have to go like up and hit through it. But I think that is kind of dependent on the person. But yeah, when the wind's behind me, I think I like to start off like, again, trying to figure out where I feel comfortable with my toss and then a lot of like slice hard body serves because I know um, it's going to be tough for them to get on the offense if I make a first serve. So I think that's kind of what I'm focusing on. And then sometimes if you're really feeling it, then like going for a big serve, maybe you get an easy ace or an easy uh, an easy free point just with the wind having that extra pace. But yeah, it's usually something like that to get my percentage up on that side.
0: What would you do on ground strokes? Like when I was downwind, I used to just feel like I hit so heavy and I'd aim like just behind the service line, knowing the wind would kind of carry it deeper. Yeah. Like what is your mindset downwind versus into the wind on ground? Yeah. Strokes?
1: I feel like I aim same like service line area because it's always going to fly further. Um, I think really using your legs to get up to the ball is super important, at least for me. You know, sometimes you end up you're reaching for the ball because you're not up to it. So I always think of taking, you know, two, three extra steps up to the ball than you think it's gonna be. Um, and then I liked coming to the net because it kind of forces you. I mean, in Cancun when it was really, really bad, it was like if you came in, it was it helped you make the ball. If you try to hit it and like stay in the middle of the court or go back the ball will kind of sail on you because the wind was going so much one way that you had to get your body weight going into the court and kind of use your legs to help keep the ball inside the, the line. So aiming short and just really focusing on moving your feet up as quick as possible, um, I think is really important. And then, um, you know, even I think the slice, but slice works good both sides. You know, when you come in and you knife a slice and you're against the wind, it's so hard to hit a passing shot. And then same thing the other way. When you, um, when you hit a good deep slice against the wind, the ball on the other side kind of flies because the person's with the wind trying to get the ball to come up and down is also really hard. So I think the slice is always great both sides.
0: Look at you. You've trained yourself to be so positive. You're just loving both sides of the wind. I know. <laughs> um, so last year we talked about, in the second podcast we did, we talked about you learning how to win four straight matches against top 10 people which you just did, I believe, right? It's three in the round robin. You won your semi and then you lost to Iga. So what has changed or improved where you were able to do that at the tour finals?
1: I don't know. Well, I mean, one, I think I played maybe smarter or better in the conditions than the other girls Two, I think I just was more comfortable this year playing against top players. I think that kind of showed, I think I beat more top players this year, even though I had, you know, a great year, the year before, So I think it wasn't, um, it didn't feel like so far out of reach. I think I just got more comfortable with being at, you know, the top of the game, playing these girls, not being uh, intimidated or thinking that I needed to play perfect that day to beat them. It was more, I think, you know, I've gotten so much better at beating girls when I don't feel like I'm playing great. And so I think it was like, how do I do that playing against the top girls? And I I don't know if it was just a comfort thing, but it seemed to kind of come a lot easier this year than previous years.
0: Okay, so I want to get into something I heard on one of the interviews there. They were talking about the pace of your shot, and I can't remember exactly how it went on the set. Either someone on the set or someone on Twitter was like, I've heard people refer to you as not a big hitter, but she's super consistent, and that's where I start to question myself if I'm crazy because I think you hit the ball pretty pretty big and pretty flat. Like, How would you describe your rally ball in comparison to like the other top 10 players, your rally ground stroke?
1: I think I hit a lot faster, flatter, and like faster through the court. Um, I think some girls, like Iga hits pretty heavy, kind of like a guy. I would say Arena, Sabalenka, same, more heavier. Um, Rabakina, maybe a little bit flatter, especially on her backhand. But I don't know. It's weird. I have girls like I practice with, and they think I hit heavy, and they think I hit harder than everyone else. So... I think it's just a different ball. I think mine, I think mine definitely skips through the court a little bit more and stays pretty low, but yeah, compared to the other I I don't have as much spin, I don't think.
0: Yeah, yours looks like it skips through the court. And I'm curious, I mean, you you don't you don't have to tell people like what bothers you, but everyone's obsessed with pace like at the amateur level, right? Yeah. And I think it was Aaron Routliff, who you played doubles with mm-hmm. a couple times, but she was saying hard isn't hard if it's always hard. Yeah. So do you, do you find, you had to figure that one out.
1: I'm also picturing Aaron saying, Aaron saying that. So it like makes me laugh.
0: Yeah. She was just kind of saying, if someone always hits fast to you, eventually you just learn how to time it and it's really not that difficult without any variety. So do you find that like receiving pace is that, do you find that concept? Like you eventually get used to it or are there players out there that just hit so fast you never get comfortable?
1: So I think, yeah, like it gets fast. I think you definitely get used to pace. I think that's something I think about too is sometimes I have a tendency, if we're talking about that, like if I'm not moving in and taking it early enough, sometimes I think I hit almost too good of a ball where girls really get into a rhythm. So if I'm like letting them kind of rally with me too much, I almost think they start to play better. And that was something I always thought I experienced like maybe a couple years ago. And so now I definitely... Like if I start off really well and I'm playing well, I want to make sure they never get used to my ball. So I want to like, again, working on taking it really early, um, especially because, you know, that's, I think what I'm good at returning early, like first two balls coming in, um, changing the direction of the ball. So it's not just coming in one spot all the time where they feel like they can get into a rhythm. And I feel like that's something I, I definitely notice, especially if I come out playing really well and I'm really feeling it. I'm like, okay, I don't want this girl to get used to my ball at all. Um, So I do think that's true. Like you definitely can get used to things. Um, I don't know what the other half of your question was.
0: (laughs) I totally forgot too. But so one thing is when people watch you play and they're watching your rally ball, it obviously is so fast, right? And so when they try to emulate that, they're hitting a ten out of ten speed for them. Yeah. Which is not controllable. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like if you're just playing a normal rally, what, what do you feel like you're doing? Is it a seven out of ten, eight? What do yeah, you Yeah,
1: I it's definitely not ten out of ten. If I or if I was trying to hit as hard as I could, like, no, I've never I honestly don't think I'm ever doing that. I think like top players compared to players or beginners or lower ranked players, whatever. Yeah, I think that it's like finding your rally ball is really important. And that's something I see sometimes even with Taylor, my husband, it's like he either, it's like pushing the ball or it's like a mock 50. And I'm like, you need to get a rally ball because you need to be able to do, find a ball or a feeling where you feel like you can hit it 20 times in a row, but like good 20 times in a row, like where you're being aggressive, like moving the ball, but you're still able to kind of, um, do it over and over again. And that's, yeah, that's really difficult, but I'm never hitting, I'm never hitting. Yeah. I'm maybe a six seven um I also think I, I use people's pace pretty well I think my timing is also good so I never feel like I'm straining myself like uh, like you know muscling the ball I don't think I've ever felt like that but I also think that's just my game too like mine I am a lot of timing
0: How do you, you said you use their pace well, is there anything that you think of that allows you to do that? Is it a shorter backswing? Is it softer hands? How do you use someone else's pace?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's just like my natural swing path or again, how I hit the ball. I definitely think strokes is a little bit involved. I think if you have like big strokes or funky grips and stuff like that, it's difficult to use someone's pace. Um, you may be able to hit heavier on like a slower ball. But to kind of redirect pace, I think that can get tricky. So I think it's people with more short, compact strokes usually are good at that. Um, good at using pace and redirecting the ball. And um, I think footwork too. Like you gotta be able to take it early, like see it early and use your feet, not just your, your hands or your arm.
0: We were talking about the rally ball and how you find it. So maybe this will help Taylor. Cause I've, I've taken myself on, even though I haven't done anything with him yet as his coach. So hopefully he'll listen to this episode, but we were saying like, if you were driving on the interstate Mm -hmm. and the speed limit is 70, like I'm not the riskiest driver. So I go 79 on cruise control so I can get there somewhat fast, but I'm never going to get a ticket. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're going 85 or 90, like you're gambling for sure. You're going to get pulled over if there's someone there. And so that's how I see most people when they hit their ground strokes. I feel like they're going the equivalent of like 85 or 90 Yes, and then I'll tell them to slow down. And they go 50. Yes. I don't, 70. I don't,
1: why is that a thing? I don't
0: know. Right. I'm like, I just need you to go a little slow. You can go 79. You can speed a little bit. Yeah. It's just, you got to be in control. And I, I'm just curious, like, how do you find that? Because I'm sure every day it's different from you. If you're hot, I'm sure your rally ball is actually maybe a little faster yeah. than your zone. Or if you walk out on court and you feel like garbage, it might be a little slower. Like, how do you find that on a day-to-day basis?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, how do I find that on a day-to-day basis? It's honestly on, I think, feel and, Yeah, if you're feeling really good, then you just you go for your shots. But again, I don't think I've ever like ten out of ten, like hitting as hard as I can, unless it's like I'm getting killed and I'm pissed or something happened and I just like slap ball, which you see people do sometimes or pros do sometimes. But I think it's just it's all. I mean, you learn your rally ball. I think in practice, you kind of have an idea. And then you just try and do the same thing when you're in a match. And if you're feeling it, you go for a little bit more. Maybe you try and take it a little bit earlier. You try to be a little more aggressive, like with your feet and stuff like that. And then if you're not feeling it, then maybe you take a couple steps back and you're like, I'm not seeing the ball today. I need a little bit more time to kind of, I just need to hit, you know, you love hard up the middle. We always talk about hard up the middle till I find like my timing. Cause there's definitely days where you're not feeling it. Um, or you're hitting the ball late or something's just not working. So I think you try to give yourself a little bit more time. Um, I would say maybe taking a step or two back and just trying to work on your margins. But yeah, if you're feeling it, then I, for me, I'm usually trying to step in more, change direction a little bit more, like come in, be more aggressive, just because I think if your brain's kind of processing, you're seeing it quicker and faster, then you're, yeah, trying to play quicker and faster.
0: I always just felt like if you're missing a lot, then you're probably going too fast. Yeah. It's like... Like at the end of the day, if you can't keep the ball in play, like, I don't know what we're talking about. Exactly. It's the whole game.
1: It's like, it's crazy though how many people really struggle. Even I was hitting with like a college kid today and he's good. Like we're competitive for sure. Like we go back and forth with sets or games, whatever. then like some short balls, I'd be like, he missed. I'm like, I am dead out of this point. Like I'm not going to get the next ball. Why are you hitting it like Mach fifty? But I see a lot of college guys do that now. I think it's the whole like guys hit so much heavier now, so they're trying to hit like so heavy in the corner. And I'm like, you could do half of that and you would still hit a winner. Like I don't understand. It's like they're
0: respecting your they're respecting your speed and your defense. I that's I,
1: I don't think that's the reason, but yeah, I maybe.
0: All right, so we're going to talk about your backhand, which is one of the prettiest shots on tour, and I know like. Some athletes, like, they just, they just feel it. They just do it. Is there anything technically that you can actually think of, like a swing thought, that helps you with your backhand?
1: Um, that's actually funny because I've been, like, kind of frustrated with my backhand lately. What something I can say that helps me with my backhand, I would definitely say keeping my wrists loose. Sometimes I get a little too flat and it's, like, a little too much arms and I feel like I'm kind of, like, lagging a lot with my wrist. So I think, like, coming through and keeping my wrist and my arm kind of, like, relaxed always really helps me.
0: I'm curious. So you're frustrated with your backhand. Like, what does that look like? Is it because you're missing it? Is it because it doesn't feel good on your strings? I'm always curious when people are upset about a shot because I'll bet you it doesn't look that bad.
1: No, for sure not. But I... Like, my forehand, I think, has gotten so much better the last couple years. Like, I used to, like, hate kind of hitting my forehand. Now I love looking for forehands. So I almost think sometimes, not that my backhand has gotten worse, because I don't think that's true, but because I'm always looking for forehands now, like, more in the middle of the court and running around forehands than before, that, like, when I'm either doing drills or I'm trying to hit more backhands, I'm like, why can't, like, why is it not... Why does it feel weird? Or why am I missing a few more than I should? Or, um, I, for me, I like, I, I, it's always flat, but I start hitting it like too flat or it's too short in the court. So I'm always trying to work on getting it off the court with like a little bit more spin, more of an angle off the court. Um, but yeah, sometimes I start hitting it a little late, I think. And a lot of that's footwork too.
0: Right. Do you find that if you are struggling or you're frustrated, you said relaxed hands or loose hands, which is something I love do you find that it's harder to do that when you're struggling because you're almost trying to like control it?
1: Sometimes. Yeah. So I guess it doesn't always work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, What about your backhand on the line? You've got a great one. How do you decide when you're going to use that shot or when you're not going to? Oh, that's so
1: tough. Um, I think, I don't know, at least when you're like a high level player, you kind of know when you shouldn't go for it and you do anyways. And it's like right when you hit it. You're like, gosh, they suckered me into that. Why did I go for it? Um, Again, I don't... It's like a a feel thing. You know, at least for me. Like, if I... I'll keep it cross, but if I'm feeling it, like, I'll go for it up the line. Obviously, I think it's a tough shot to go up the line on the run. A lot tougher than your forehand. Your forehand, I think, is almost easier to go because it's one hand. It's out in front of you. It's easy to just, like, steer it up the line where backhand, like, you can get kind of stuck. Um, So... Yeah, I think when I'm in a, a pretty good position in the court where I can, I'm on the offensive is always one thing I'm looking at, and I think you have to like commit to it. If you're kind of second guessing it and you kind of run into the ball and jam yourself, like you should probably just try to make the ball and not go up the line. And sometimes you do that and then you hit it late and it goes up the line and you hit a shot better shot than you thought you were going to. So yeah, I would say it's where you are in the court, a little bit of feeling. And then, you know, you're comfortable, how comfortable you are hitting it. Like if you're in a good position, if you're not, again, there's been a lot of times where sometimes I get jammed or something happens and I don't mean to go up the line, but I actually hit it late up the line and they're like, wow, great shot. And they are like, Ugh, I was aiming like cross court.
0: <laughs> it blows my mind that I ask people like, do you think I'll use you? Do you think Pagula hits the ball where she's aiming? And I'm like, well, if we put like a cone down on the court, I know she's going to hit it way more than like most people. She's one of the best players in the world, but you probably don't hit it every time.
1: Oh no. You
0: probably don't hit it half the time. You probably don't hit it a quarter of the time. You're probably around it. And then you have instances like that where you might even miss it by 10 feet and you hit a beautiful winner and everyone's like, oh, she was aiming exactly on the line. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, really? You think she aimed the outside half of the line? (laughs)
1: No.
0: (laughs) What an aggressive target that would be, but it blows my mind because I think people believe you hit it exactly where you're aiming. No, I mean,
1: I think a lot of times you're not really aiming. Like, you know where you're kind of going, but it's not like you're, I mean, at least me, I don't have like this target where I'm like, I have to hit it like in the corner. It's like, oh, I'm going to hit to her forehand. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to hit it in the vicinity of her forehand. Maybe I hit one and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be more aggressive here. But I'm not like, oh, I'm going to hit the the outside of the line now. It's like, no, I'm going to try and be more aggressive on this shot. And then sometimes it just is better... Or as a winner or whatever it is, but you're not really trying to like do it. I don't know how to explain it. you know what i you know what I mean, yeah, you're not you're not trying to do it.
0: yeah, I want all the listeners out there to know it's like <laughs> they see these shots and they just assume, and then by the way, they're no offense, they're half the player that you are at best, so you're going, well, she can't aim on the line and hit it. There's absolutely no reason why the three five or the junior player should ever be aiming that small, but hopefully they got that as well. All right. We're going to finish up with Instagram questions. One very astute listener noticed that you improved your serve a little bit this year. Yeah. And they want to know if there was one or two technical things or what exactly you were working on that made the serve a little better, a little more effective.
1: I think being more strategic with my serve, kind of feeling out if I'm serving, if I feel like I'm not serving well then kind of changing my margin until I feel better and then like not always trying to hit an ace or go for a huge serve. If I'm like, okay, I've missed a lot of first serves. I need to go hard body here a couple of times, to, like help get my rhythm back. And then after, if it starts feeling better, then, you know, then your serves kind of better. You start going for a little bit more hitting your spots. I would say that helps kind of keep your rhythm in check. So you don't have too many big lulls with your serve or your first serve percentage um and then also I think like just trying to put a little more pace on it go after it a little bit more sometimes I would get in the habit of kind of being always in the same rhythm where it was kind of I would hit every serve like 106 it was like always and I was like why am I doing that because I could go up after it but sometimes mentally you just forget so I think sometimes when I would kind of have to catch myself and be like okay just keep going after your serve even if I miss it it was like reminding me to just keep thinking of it as a weapon and not just getting stuck in the same rhythm of it was a good serve, but it I don't know, maybe didn't do enough. Um, I think that so I like looking at the serve clock sometimes just to see like for fun. Um you know, if I hit it one ten or, you know, one twelve is like my fastest probably. So it'd be kind of fun, like going up and looking after and just making sure I'm still being explosive and going after it. Because I think in the end, that's going to help you. You don't want to start getting tight, you know, on your serves.
0: Are you a new year's resolution person? Not really. Okay. Well, so this next person,
1: I feel like my goals usually end up or like involved in my resolutions. So it's like, Right.
0: So we're recording this December 20th, I think, but we'll release this the first week of January. But this person wanted to know what your goals or areas of focus or whatever uh, that you can share for the 2024 season.
1: I would say always my serve. I'm always trying to work on my serve, always trying to work on my movement, um, my court coverage or defense, kind of those types of things. And then I would still, I mean, those two, I feel like always, and then still trying to to be confident moving forward and playing aggressive because I feel like that's, again, like I said before, sometimes I get stuck where I may be playing and hitting the ball really well, but I'm not taking that extra step in. And that extra step to me makes a huge difference between beating a girl like two and two or a girl all of a sudden playing really well because she got used to my pace and you know all that type of stuff so yeah still playing aggressive when i can and uh, yeah those are probably three things
0: this person wanted to know uh you look very calm on the court they don't know if you are but they asked how did she stay <laughs> so calm on the court in a big match
1: um i am very calm usually I'm pretty chill. I would say I definitely go get, we'll have matches where I get super frustrated, like, cause I'm still a perfectionist. So when things, I can't figure something out, I start getting very frustrated. And usually that's just me like venting to my coach or I don't know, maybe my body language gets kind of bad. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I get nervous too, but I feel like I, I show more of my frustration. But again, people were like, well, we never really see you get that frustrated. So I i don't think I'm overly emotional, but I'll get frustrated, if that makes
0: sense. Switching gears, this person wanted to know if there is a pivotal moment or match in your career that you look back on as kind of a turning point or a springboard.
1: Hmm. Um, I have a couple, like two very different ranges. I would say the first time I qualified at the U.S. Open, that was – yeah, that was big because I think mentally, like, getting over that last hurdle, I lost, like, third round a couple times. And that day, I remember I didn't feel well. Like, my stomach was kind of bothering me, and it was really, really hot. So I was dying in this match, and I was playing this girl um that was, like, a backboard. And I ended up winning, like, 6-3 in the third. And it was kind of like a textbook match I wouldn't win <laughs> at that time. So it was, like, a big hurdle for me to get over that, like, kind of get the monkey off my back type of thing. Um, at that high level and then qualify for my first grand slam. I think qualifying for a slam is so hard to do. So, uh, that was really cool because not everyone kind of, you know, gets to do that. So that was, um, that was fun. And then I guess I would think of probably when I beat Spinolina in Australia to make the court, I think the quarters for the first time. Um, again, like a really tough match, someone who you have to beat them. And I always think those matches are the toughest because that's where you have to step up take more risk and be the one willing to like, go for it. But you know, you can always lose those matches and look back and be like, why did I do that? But she's again, the player that makes you really, really beat her. So being able to do that again at like a high level at a slam in a big match, I lost to her not that long ago before that. And she killed me. So it was a big uh, mental hurdle. And I think ever since then it was like, it kind of clicked for me. So I would say those two matches were kind of like a huge yeah, change in my careers at you know the lower level and then the higher level.
0: Don't you hate it when players just won't beat themselves? It's actually really tough to beat someone it's when they hard. don't lose to you.
1: <laughs> no, it's really hard. She's so good. I mean, there's plenty of players that are like that, but it's the worst, almost harder to play in like a pressure situation because you're like, they're not going to play bad. Like, crap, I need to play good. (laughs) It's like sometimes with bigger hitters, if you can tell they're off, you're like, okay, like I got them. But no, not against girls like that. It's so difficult.
0: And last question. Actually, no, the last real question. Uh, Your best advice for the 4-0 player? The best advice
1: for a 4-0 player.
0: Best advice for an amateur player. You got a junior player who's just getting going, an adult who's kind of in that intermediate stage and you're going, man... I'm going to give you one piece of advice that, you know, I think will help you if you follow through on it. What would that be? I
1: Maybe I would say what we've been talking about, finding the range of like your speed of the ball. Like, like I would say, okay, give me your nine out of 10, put away winner ball, like almost full speed, but not, but you're like hitting the crap out of it, but your margins good. So you're really not going to miss it. And then give me, yeah, like your 75, Rally ball, where you're like more or less should be able to make this 20 times in a row. Maybe that might be a little much, but 20 times 10 to 20. And you're but on slightly on the aggressive side, and then you have your I just need to make the ball side. I would say that like work on your what we just talked about getting your range of ball so you know, okay, during this whole point, I'm gonna hit this 75%. If I hit one that she hit short, then I'm going to bump it up to 90.
0: I knew I knew I could count on you to tie the episode together. <laughs> that's, just, that's pro from you. And then that's you're really playing good. really
1: bad and then just freaking get the ball on the court.
0: <laughs> yes. Just if you if you have nothing else to do, just make them beat you. And again, just like you're talking about Svitolina, at the amateur level, it's super tough to beat someone who's just putting balls in play. So if you can't do anything, just survive.
1: Exactly. And then, yeah, survive and then see if it starts feeling a little bit better. And then you try and go a little more. It's like you're just always kind of like, I don't know, testing out different things. But yeah, that what we talked about is so funny because Taylor, I tell Taylor all the time, he's like, I don't understand. Do you want me to play or do you want me to like just push the ball? I'm like, okay, there's a difference. But I do think it's like players that watch pro players because there is such a higher level, they see someone ripping the ball and they think that's their, like you said, they're a hundred percent hitting it as hard as they can. And I'm like, it's definitely not what's happening.
0: Right. And then it, it gets, just looks at, it looks fast to you. It
1: looks really fast. Yeah. Especially you go see the guys are hitting these forehands, like, but there's a lot of elements that are keeping them in. So it's not you just blasting the ball.
0: Uh, this is going to air, like I said, January 7th or so. I think we got two or three more weeks. Do the bills make the playoffs?
1: Yes, I think it's our year. I think we're going to sneak in and we're going to do better than we have the last few years, even though our record doesn't say that.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. And then last question, we were talking about this the last couple months. Did you get any golf in on your break?
1: I did. Hopefully I can play again this week. I got rained out last week. I was pissed, but my swing's better. And I realized that my clubs suck. So I've been using Taylor's clubs. (laughs)
0: All right, Jess, this was a pleasure as always. Year three. Uh, can't wait to watch you at the Aussie Open this year. Best of luck and enjoy the long flight. Will you be, what is that, Netflix? Is it movies? What do you do on the flight?
1: Um, all of the above, yeah. And hopefully some sleep.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll talk Netflix shows after the show, but thanks for coming on and good luck.
1: <laughs> yep, thank you. Hopefully I see you this time next year.
0: All right, I wanna thank Jess for coming on the show again. It's tough to say what accomplishment is bigger for her, finishing the year top five in singles or doubles, or being the first guest on the show every year. I'm sure it's probably neck and neck for her. But obviously the main theme of this episode turned into finding the right speed on your rally ball. And everyone I meet is concerned with the quality of the rally ball. Does it have enough spin? Does it have enough pace? Does it have enough depth? But for me, the first thing, at least in my mind, is you've got to be able to make your rally ball. If you have an awesome rally ball that goes in half the time, you're probably going to struggle. And if you have an average rally ball, but it's really consistent, you're probably going to win a lot of matches. So practice finding your rally ball speed. Hit at a pace where you can make 50 in a row to start your practice. Once you've done that, increase your speed and see if you can make 20, then 10, and then 5. Whatever speed you can make 5 balls in a row consistently is probably a good speed for you to be playing at. As always, if you're a regular listener of the show, it would mean a lot to me if you could support the show by leaving a quick rating and a review. I am always thrilled when someone leaves a review and lets me know that the show and our wonderful guests are helping their game.